Thank you, Chavez. Well, two things. Turn to the book of Ruth, Old Testament, beginning, the book of Ruth. While you're going there, uh, I need to remind everyone, we have the contribution envelopes back there in the narthex on the table as you leave. Um, if you have a number that was over 50, you were assigned a new number. So please be using these envelopes on uh, Sunday, June 4th, because we've transitioned. So make sure you get your envelopes. My other announcement is this. I have a special gift for all mothers, <laughs> for everybody, really. Um, I worked on this sermon. It, it's long. So my first time in my three and a half years here with you, my first time ever, I will be splitting this sermon. I'll be finishing the rest of it next week because I thought to myself on Mother's Day, we'd probably make the news, you know, with you guys chasing me around this church being late for your Mother's Day lunch. And I didn't want to make the news that way. So I am going to do the second part next Sunday. So you have got to come back and hear the rest. So we're going to do the first two chapters of Ruth and I'll do the three and four next week, so please come back. But that's a gift to you, so you guys can get to lunch early. I am extremely moved by this easy 15-minute read, four chapters. Extremely moved. And I thought it was very appropriate for Mother's Day. This story takes place, folks, between the time of Joshua's leadership and the conquest of Canaan, and of course the installation of a king over Israel. It's happening right in the middle. And that time is the time of the judges. Well, let me rephrase that. It is in the dark time of the judges. And in this dark time, there are three people who stand out like beacons of light, proving once again that faithful followers of God serve him even in harsh, harsh circumstances. So in his gracious providence, God is laying the foundation in this time through Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. That's who we're talking about. He's laying the foundation, and he's illustrating redemption, and he's also illustrating what we call providential protection in the family line that would both produce King David and the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Now, while both Naomi and Boaz are critical and integral to this story, it is Ruth who I would like to concentrate on. Not only is she an example and an encouragement to the women of this church, right, but her character and actions will reach the church family as a whole. It's for all of us. Now, as we look to the person, as we look to the person of Ruth today, it is my hope that you gain an even more, okay, even more, an intimate understanding of who Jesus is and what he means to you, because that's the purpose here. So as we begin to relate to Ruth in this story and see our own mothers in this light, it will be impossible for you to not see God at work in both Ruth's story and your story because God is at work. So let me give you a little uh, introduction, because we're not reading verb every verse. We're going to skip around. But let me give you the first 13 here. It's the day of the judges. There is a man from Bethlehem named Elimelech who has a wife uh, named Naomi, two sons, Malin and Kilian, and they moved to Moab due to the famine in the land where they lived. They moved due to a famine. 
So they move to a place called Moab. Unfortunately, while, they, while they're there, Elimelech dies. Naomi lost her husband. While they were there, the two sons took Moabite wives. One was named Orpah, the other Ruth. Orpah married Kilian, and Ruth married Malan. Again, tragedy strikes. Both sons die. They lived there about 10 years, and both sons now die. Folks, this is a dangerous, dangerous place to be for a widow. It is a dangerous place to be in. Naomi is left with no husband. She is left with no sons. So she sets out for Bethlehem because she heard that the Lord had blessed them with food, meaning the Lord had blessed the land. So she's going to go back. She leaves Moab with her two daughters-in-law. But on the way, tells them, I want you to go back. I want you to return to your mother's house. Go home. Find a husband. Have children. Find breasts. Both of you, go. They wept. They loved Naomi. Naomi was a mother to these two. They loved her. They didn't want to leave her. Naomi said to them, I'm too old to marry again. I'm too old to marry I'm too old to bear sons for you. And even if I could, would you wait around till they were grown? Would you wait? The Lord's hand is against me. I am a bitter woman. Just turn back. That's where we're at in the beginning of Ruth. It's not a great place for Naomi, is it? Not at all. Everybody in chapter 1 of Ruth, will you look down at verse 14 with me? We're going to start in verse 14 together. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, and pay attention to this now, do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. When you die, or excuse me, where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. Can we go ahead and put that up, team? I want to leave this up for the rest of the service. This is what Ruth has just declared, vowed to Naomi. It's important for us to have these words um, in front of us for the rest of the sermon. Ruth clung to her. Clung. Folks, in verse 14, that word, if you research it, means to hold fast. It's hold fast. You know what it is? It describes the marriage bond. Let me read a verse from you from Genesis here. Uh, Genesis 2.24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. In fact, these words could easily become a wedding vow. No, you can leave them up. Okay, good, thank you. They could easily become a wedding vow. (laughs) So, I want you to remember that Ruth clung to her, okay? Now, these verses in 16 and 17, they provide us the source 
the source in which the rest of the story develops. In Ruth's commitment to Naomi, she bound herself to her, even taking an oath using the personal name of God, the Lord Yahweh, making an oath. Naomi could do nothing but stop talking. Why? Ruth was determined, and there was nothing Naomi could do to dissuade her. But look what Ruth is giving up. Ruth is giving up her family, her own mom, right? She's choosing faith, basically, of her family. She's giving up her family. She is giving up her, her, her home, right? She's giving up the potential for a husband. She's giving up the potential for children. But look what she's also giving up. She's giving up Moab's gods. Ruth not only chose Naomi. She chose the one true God as well. Your God will be my God. Naomi was good for Ruth. She was. She was a mother to her. Uh, she loved her. Through this marriage and her relationship with Naomi, she came to know God. Not Moab's God, the one true God. Mo uh, Naomi was good for Ruth. God knew what he was doing. And Ruth's commitment to Naomi... Ruth's commitment to Naomi was so strong that she referenced death. She referenced burial. She invoked judgment from God if she were to break this commitment. Only death would separate her from Naomi. That's what she stated. Only death will separate us. It's easy to see in her confession here that Ruth's conversion was real and that it was complete. And as the story progresses, we are going to see that the actions in her life, match those of her confession of faith. What she says to Naomi, they match. Folks, as Christians, shouldn't it be our goal to have our actions match our confession of faith? Absolutely it should. But God got me this week. As I studied, I did more meditating than studying. I told you this thing was long. I had to cut it. As I studied and meditated on these two verses, because I got stuck, this is where God had me, I could not help. I couldn't help but see the motherly commitment, the motherly loyalty, and the motherly devotion in this text. It isn't just the words. It's what's behind them. It's what's supporting them that got me. Let me explain. I don't know if you've ever had to speak to somebody in fear, who's scared, or a traumatic event, or if you're in love and you want someone to hear you, but have you ever taken somebody by both arms? Because you don't want them to turn to the left or the right. You want them to lock eyes and face forward. You take them, I need you to hear what I'm going to say to you. Have you ever locked arms with somebody like that to uh, 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 express or declare something to them? It's intense. Could you imagine somebody grabbing you by both arms, locking eyes with you, and declaring this, hey, I will never leave you. I will always follow you. Where you go, I'll go. Where you live, I'm going to live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. May God punish me ever so severely if I break these vows to you. Nothing but death is going to separate me from you. Could you imagine somebody grabbing you and saying those words? Would that be the most amazing thing? I believe the closest we get to something like that 
is marriage vows. I do. When you declare something like that, when you're face-to-face, locked in that position, I tell you, all of us should want, no, let me rephrase, all of us should desire a Ruth in our life. Ruth's commitment to Naomi, it points to an extraordinary picture, an extraordinary picture of how a mother is to her children. Committed, loyal, selflessly devoted. Do you have someone in your life who resembles the character of Ruth? Think about it for a sec. And I'm challenging you here. Do you have someone in your life who resembles the character of Ruth? You're probably thinking of a couple people, and that's good. Let me ask you a question, another one. Are you Ruth? Are you Ruth for somebody else? Because we've got to begin to allow this text to penetrate us, to saturate us. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're a believer, if you are a believer, praise God, um, Jesus Christ takes this to a whole other level, a whole other dimension, what I'm talking about. Ruth's creator, your creator, while death will separate Naomi and Ruth, God's love for us and Jesus can never be separated. Do you want to talk about commitment? Look to the cross. If you want to talk about loyalty, look to the cross. Selfless devotion, look to the cross. Romans 8, 38, 39 says this. You know this verse. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things uh, present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. Ruth models this behavior in her love to Naomi to the best of her ability as as a fellow human being in a broken world. She models this. Could you imagine someone being in love with you to say those kinds of words? Well, believe it or not, mothers represent this so well. Ruth models this behavior. I see the motherly in her character, but I'm going to tell you, as I studied Ruth, and I read this over and over, as I studied her character, the more I looked at Ruth, the more I saw right through her and I saw to Jesus who blesses us with the motherly. Um, Do you get that? He blesses us with the motherly. Children, listen to me, grandchildren, stepchildren, all children, listen. Can you see the women in your life right now? Can you see the women in your life who possess these motherly qualities as provision from God? Have you ever looked at the women in your life who possess these kind of qualities as provision from God? From God, because I believe that we all overlook that. I really do. We need to start seeing the blessings that God has given us. God gave Naomi Ruth, but God gave Ruth Naomi. So they arrive in Bethlehem. They arrive safely in Bethlehem, and the town was stirred because of this arrival. And they said, is this Naomi? Can this be Naomi? After all these years, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For God has dealt bitterly with me. I left Bethlehem full. 
and I have returned empty. Why bother calling me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, when he has brought calamity uh, against me? So both Naomi and Ruth, they arrive in Bethlehem, and it's the time of the harvest. That's when they arrive. But Naomi is broken. Can you tell? Naomi is broken. Her loss has left her in a dark place a place where she believes that God has turned against her. Here's the thing. She cannot see yet. Let me refresh. She can't see yet the gift that is with her. She cannot see the Ruth in her life, literally and metaphorically. She can't see it. We've all been a Naomi at time, though, haven't we? At some point in our life, we have all been Naomi, feeling great loss, feeling emptiness, Isn't it amazing in God's providence that he places a person or people in our lives that exhibit traits like Ruth to help us out of that dark place? Folks, it's easy to be Naomi, but being a Ruth, that's tough. That's tough. It's amazing the gifts that God gives us. Let's talk about unconditional love for a minute. I told you this text just had me. I started thinking about unconditional love because a lot of people say it just doesn't exist. There's always a condition. It's not true. Um, I will tell you the closest I could get to unconditional love on earth with human, flawed human beings, the closest I could get to unconditional love was that of a parent to a child. Right? I mean, let's face it, we'd die for our kids, wouldn't we? And I don't mean to go to a dark place, but would we not kill for our kids? Absolutely we would. A parent to a child is the closest I could get to unconditional love. But as the more I thought about the mother, I saw through her to God. Again, I went straight to God's love because I know that's where it comes from. God's love's unconditional. You want me to prove it? I know a lot of you are going, no, 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 there's requirements. There's things we have to meet. No, God's love is unconditional because he loved us first. Do you realize God initiated love? He didn't need a response on our part at all. There was no response needed. He initiated it. That is the definition of unconditional love. And that's where love stems from. It stems from it. So as I was thinking of unconditional love, I was thinking, well, how, if I ever get to present this to somebody, they're going to start talking about the existence of God, obviously. And believe it or not, people keep saying, if you could just give me proof of the existence of God, I'd believe. Just give me something real, man. Give me proof. Well, I believe the existence of God is absolutely established. I I can look around here and believe the proof of God is existence. I can go outside and look at nature, and I could believe in the existence of God. Every single time one of my children was born, um, it was easy for me to go, oh, yeah, (laughs) there's a God. There's no other way. But my thing from here on out when someone says, okay, prove to me the existence of God, I'm going to say love. If you need proof, love, just look at a mother's love for her child and the love of a child towards his or her mother. And that, that's not just things firing off. That's not just chemicals, folks. That proves the existence of God. You get to begin, a, really, you get to begin to catch a glimpse a glimpse of the love that God has for you. I know there's exceptions. Listen, I know there's bad moms. Come on. 
I know our world. I know there's bad kids. There's kids that have sued their parents and vice versa. Love is broken in this world. Absolutely it is. But we know as believers and as God transforms us every day to be more and more like his son Jesus, we realize that Ruth provides a beautiful example of what this love looks like. And so do mothers. Look at chapter 2, the first two verses here. Ruth chapter uh, 2, verse 1. Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to, glean, uh, to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall fan favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. Let me go to the field and glean. Now, they arrive. Folks, they need food. They need to eat. They're destitute. There is no husband. There are no sons. Uh, both of them have lost, okay? They need to eat. So as the reapers harvested the fields, grains would fall to the ground. Uh, corners or edges of the fields would be left unharvested, and, 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 and things would just fall. Even as they bundled or carried off large uh, amounts of collected grain, some would fall to the ground. Now, the Israelites were commanded, it was a law to leave the grain that fell to the ground and the unharvested grain, leave it alone. That's left for the poor, that's left for the widows, that's left for the orphans. It's not to be collected. So as Ruth was gleaning, she happened upon the field belonging to Boaz, who was a relative of Elimelech's. This is God's providence, by the way. You see God's work throughout this story. So here she is in Boaz's field. And it just so happens that Boaz comes out to his field and asks his man in charge, who is this young woman? Well, Boaz is told that, well, this is the Moabite woman that came back with Naomi from Moab. That's her. It's Ruth. Okay, so Boaz uh, finds out that she has been gleaning all morning. She's a hard worker. She's taken a short rest, but she's been gleaning. She asked permission. So Boaz comes up to her, he approaches and addresses Ruth, do not go glean in any other field but mine, keep close to my young women. These would be his female workers who would bundle the stalks of grain that they gathered, called sheaves, when you reap among the sheaves. These are the things they're doing, they're creating these sheaves by bundling this grain together. You stay near my young women, follow them, you stay in this field. I have already ordered my men not to touch you. What, what in the world is happening here? He had to order his men not to touch her. Well, folks, this is an unfortunate fortunate thing I have to say to you, but women uh, in the fields were sexually assaulted all the time, working in the fields, trying to get food. That's why he said, you stay with my young women, you stay in this field. So he was concerned about sexual assault from other men in other fields. Do not go there. You stay here. You stay in my yard, is what he's saying. So you could see there's care. There's great care. There's an attachment forming here. So if you go drink, because women are assaulted, if you go to drink, you drink here. What he's saying is don't travel to some well and create a vulnerable putting yourself in a vulnerable position. You drink what the men brought to the field. You stay here, you drink here. You stay with my women. I want you safe. Again, God's providence. 
And at all this, she fell to the ground and thanked Boaz for his kindness. And she began to question, why? Why have I found favor in your eyes, especially since I'm a foreigner? People don't get treated like this. I'm a foreigner. Well, look at verse 11, everybody, in chapter 2. Ruth 2, verse 11. But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done. And a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Folks, this statement made by Boaz reinforces that we, what we already know. And that is Ruth believed and worshipped the God of Israel. Your God is my God. She is living up to everything that she declared. The kindness you have shown your mother-in-law, the commitment you have made in love and care for her has been reported to me. I have heard it all. I've heard everything. You left everything for her? I want the Lord, the God of Israel, to reward you. I want the God of Israel, whose wings you have come to take refuge, that is, to provide shelter, to provide shelter like a mother bird shelters her young. This image is prevalent in the Psalms. That is, it's relating the way God loves and cares for His people with the way birds protect and care for their young. Really, any animal in the animal kingdom. Um, any animal with babies or young is a very dangerous animal. And one of the most dangerous animals in the animal kingdom is a mother. You've heard the, uh, the expression mama bear, right? I'm going to tell you, a mama bear with cubs, you do not want to cross. And we a lot of times call you mama's bears because you're boss. But right, it means that you do not want to mess with a mother who has babies. Again, in the context of this text, in this text, you cannot escape the motherly undertones. They are there. Ruth has not yet, or excuse me, Ruth has yet to give birth to a child. But look at the strength and character of this woman. Can you see her motherly qualities? Because they scream at me. Praise God for his perfect design and creation, and that is you. It's woman. Praise God for the design. Has anyone, Easter, we just celebrated, raise your hand if you've ever seen The Passion of Christ. You know the movie, Passion of Christ? If you haven't, you need to see it. There, uh, however you feel about Mel Gibson, that's beside the point. He directed it. But I'm going to tell you, in The Passion of Christ, they do a great job in the presentation of Mary and showing the intense love and care for her son. You know, she was with Jesus from birth to death. She was there at his death. Uh, we know she was there at his birth. This kind of love... This kind of intensity, the depth, think of it that way, the depth can only come from the love that God has for us. The only way we can love another that deep is because of the love we are receiving from God. This is ingrained in us. Do you realize this? A mother's love reveals God's love. It's true. So, Boaz is going above and beyond what the law requires of him to treat this foreigner. He's going above and beyond. He invites Ruth to eat with them. Sit down. 
There were even leftovers from what she was eating that she would save for Naomi. And then he instructs his men not only to let her glean among the sheaves, but to pull some of the stalks out of the bundles, set them down for her to pick up. You're going to pull them out of the sheaves. I want her to collect those. So she gleaned, and she beat out what she had collected and took this grain back to her mother-in-law. And she also gave her the food that was left over because of her great care, right? They had enough food for a week or two, folks. They were covered. They were covered. This was a beautiful, beautiful gift, the providence of God, using Boaz. Naomi was curious, though. Hey, where did you glean today, Ruth? Where did all this come from? And Naomi wanted to bless the man who took notice of Ruth and who allowed her to glean in his fields. Then she comes down to find out, right? She comes to find out it's Boaz, a relative of hers, who allowed this, who was showing this kindness to Ruth. In fact, Boaz is what is called a kinsman redeemer. you got to come back next week to truly understand what's going to happen in the story and about the concept of a kinsman redeemer. But Ruth shared the story of the day's events, and Naomi was relieved that Boaz had instructed her to stay in his fields and to stay with his women because she knew, too, there was a high risk of being assaulted in another field. All she wanted to do was get food. Isn't that a shame, the world we live in? All she wanted to do was get food, and there was that high risk. So she kept close to them, and she continued to glean until the end of the harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law, Naomi. By the way, in verse 20, in verse 20 of this text, we begin to see uh, uh, Naomi's life maybe is not so empty. We begin to see that God was not testifying against her. We begin to see that he is not dealing with her bitterly. In this kindness shown to Ruth, she states that the man has shown you kindness, be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or dead. Naomi says this, whose kindness is not forsaking the living or dead. In other words, God is showing kindness to the dead by way of looking after the widows, after their widows. So where she saw God as the source of sorrow, she is now seeing God as the source of her joy, the source of her comfort, the source of her provision. Ruth is instrumental in God's plan to restore Naomi. But I've got to go back to Ruth for a second. I told you I locked on her this week. Look at the courage. Look at the courage of this young woman. She did not know anybody. She was a foreigner. She did not know the land. She was in danger of being assaulted while trying to feed herself, trying to feed her mother-in-law. Ruth's commitment to Naomi was stronger than fear. Ruth's, I mean, it was stronger than being violated. Her loyalty was directed to her mother-in-law, and in turn, the Lord was using Boaz as a blessing. Boaz actually stated, may the Lord repay you for what you have done. And he was. He was using Boaz uh, as a repayment. Boaz's kindness, his generosity, his care. But go back to Ruth. Can you see the traits that are being attributed to Ruth's character? Can you see these traits? Don't we 
see this in our mothers and in the women in our lives who demonstrate this maternal instinct? You don't have to have children. You can have children. You can have grandchildren. I'm talking about women who demonstrate this maternal instinct. Ruth is proof of that right now. She hasn't had a child. Can you see these traits? Can you see this character in the women in your life? Picture it. Her grabbing you. Hey, I will love you. I will provide for you. I will do whatever I have to do to protect you. Isn't that what Ruth is telling Naomi? Isn't that what we feel from the women in our lives that we call mothers, grandmothers? Absolutely. See, when Ruth clings to Naomi and vows to never leave her, as she exhibits courage in going out to the fields to glean to support Naomi, who was under her care, as her character reaches the ears and the hearts of the people there, even Boaz, in her dealings with Boaz, who has found favor in the kindness of Ruth, knowing what she's given up, walking into a situation of unknowns, of uncertainties, of uncharted territory, that's terrifying, Ruth, in every aspect of her life, lives up to the things that she said in verses 16 and 17 of chapter 1. Her confession, her actions, they match up. She lives up to them. My goodness, Ruth's story illustrates the motherly. It illustrates the motherly. Even more, as you look through Ruth, if you can look past her, you see Jesus. You can see Jesus, who is the giver of all these strong motherly attributes. The giver. He loves us so much that He blesses us with our very own Ruth. For some of us, we have Ruths, don't we? We have multiple. But we're blessed by these women. That is provision from God. The women in our lives who make these same vows. Not the words. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about whose wings we find shelter. Who have fully committed to us. Who show complete loyalty to us. Who are selflessly devoted to us. God designed. God approved. God given mothers. Ladies, I have to ask you. Are you clinging to the children in your life? Are you clinging to them as Ruth clinged to Naomi? No matter how old we get, no matter how heavy, <laughs> no matter the weight we put on, no, how, no matter how ugly we become. You ever heard the expression, um, only a face a mother could love? Right? Mary Southern knows what I'm talking about. Rhonda, Matthew, Rhonda knows what I'm talking about. Deadly here? <laughs> Ms. Colleen is what I'm talking about. I'm kidding. I actually was a face that only a mother could love. My grandmother had to literally go in and tell my mom, he's okay, but here's what happened. Got stuck. I guess we were living in medieval times. They had to take these tongs or forceps and grab my head, pull me out. Misshaping my head, bruised me all up. I was in a boxing match. My grandmother had to literally go say, okay, he will be cute, but not right now. 
course, my skull cap healed. You can see, right? It's all good. But I was, I was a hot mess when I was born. A mo- face of mother can only love. I, I just love that. So God placed Naomi in Ruth's life, and, and she loved her. She needed her. And God placed Ruth in, uh, Naomi in Ruth's life, vice versa. She loved her. She needed her. God's work can always be seen in our story, folks. So Ruth's actions, based on the vows that she made to Naomi, reveal the qualities that we attribute to our mothers. Do you realize that? She was revealing the qualities that we attribute to our mothers. Our words may be different. We may not have to say your people or your God because we're already there. But it's not so much the words. It's the meaning behind them. It's the same. Church family, cling to those who God has placed in your life. Listen, we all need someone who will tell us that I'm committed to you. You have my loyalty. I am selflessly devoted to you. We need people like that. And as you really think about this, I need you to understand that every believer already has this in the person of Jesus. We have a God who not only loves us with a love that we can never be separated from, but also a God who provides for us women. He provides for us women who love us like Ruth loved Naomi. Mothers, I asked you earlier, please, I beg you, cling to those children in your life. Cling to us, please. We need your commitment. We need your loyalty. We need your devotion. And all of it points to provision. Your love for us reflects God's love for us. And children, husbands, fathers, you're not off the hook. Listen to me especially today as we celebrate, cling to your mothers. They need your commitment, your loyalty, your selfless devotion. They need that too because your love for them also reflects God's love for us. It all stems from God. In this story, it's easy for me to see mother. It's easy to look at this and go, yep, that's a mom. They deserve the very same loyalty, commitment, and devotion from us. So as we celebrate that, pour that love on them, because guys, all of it points right back to our Lord and Savior's love, Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord in heaven, I'm so grateful to you. I'm so grateful to you, Lord, not only for just your love and your salvation for us, your care, the things you provide, your watchful eye always upon us. Father, you have blessed us and placed us with people that you knew we would need in our lives. Even right now in this sanctuary, there are people who need each other. We have been placed here together because of your providence, because of your guidance. Lord, let us exercise love as you want us to exercise it. Just as you love us, Father, let us pour that love onto our mothers and let the mothers pour it onto their children. Let us love each other like you call us to, Father, because this world is broken and we don't see this out in the world. Father, we see it in your house. We see it with people that belong to you, Father, because we know 
that you have given us the greatest gift. You've given us a wonderful gift of your love, which trickles down into those that we love here on earth, Father. We thank you for our mothers. We thank you for the blessing that our mothers are. Father, we thank you that you have designed someone to be so committed, so loyal, and so devoted to another person that we call them mother. We praise you for that. Lord, I just ask you now to be with us the rest of the day. Bless each and every meal these people are going to have, the gifts and cards that are shared, the love that's shared. Just bless them, Father. I want our mothers to just feel wonderful today. I want them to know how loved they are, first and foremost, by their God and then by their loved ones. Lord, we thank you for the gifts you bestow upon us. But most of all, Lord, we just thank you for who you are. We see Jesus in this story. We see redemption. We see the love that you gave us. It was not anything that we did. We didn't deserve it. And you pour it out on us constantly. Father, let us love others like you love us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.